Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 328 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about the conservative treatment of massive rotator cuff tears. We'll talk about what qualifies as a massive cuff tear. We'll talk about the signs and symptoms of a massive rotator cuff tear. We'll talk about what a massive cuff tear lookalike is. And we'll be discussing some of the strategies for treating the non-surgical massive rotator cuff and so much more. Um, but what we're going to do today is we're going to jump right into this topic. And, you know, it's just amazing at how many patients I see who come in and have difficulty with certain diagnoses, and it just makes for a great topic to talk about. Sometimes you don't see them very often, but when you do see them, you want to be able to recognize them and you want to feel comfortable managing them. And because a patient comes in with the, the diagnosis of massive rotator cuff tear, we all go into major panic mode because it's massive. Um, and let's just talk about what that is today, how we can help uh, these patients on a conservative level and um, kind of go from there. So I've, I've seen a lot of these. And if you look up the definition um, it can be quite variable. Now, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, so I'm going to bring this information to you from my experience, all right? Most patients who have been described as having a massive rotator cuff tear have a full thickness retracted tear, okay, of one or more of the muscles. Typically, it's more than one, such as the supraspinatus, infraspinatus combination, subscapularis, supraspinatus, supra infra subscap as uh, some people all four of them and i've seen that it's it's not often you see the terry's minor tear um i see a lot of subscap tears uh, probably more than most um because of the population of people that we see but the most common are the supra infra but most oftentimes when you see hear the word you know massive rotator cuff tear it's it's a you know two or three of them and they're significantly retracted you will hear the uh, the term when a surgeon goes in and does surgery uh, that there is a bald head especially if they're doing an open um, arthrotomy of the joint you just see that humeral head stick right out there isn't a cuff over the top of it x-rays when you look at x-rays of people who have massive rotator cuff tears you're going to see that the humeral head is going to be a little more superiorly positioned in the glenoid. Okay, remember that rotator cuff coming over the top acts as an inverted hammock. If you pull on one side of the hammock, it's going to push down, right? And so it's going to push that that humeral head down. Well, if you don't have that cuff pushing it down, all you have are the surrounding deltoid muscles driving it superiorly. So just at rest, they're going to have a high riding humeral head in the glenoid. Now, these folks are uh, more often than not going to have less pain than your typical rotator cuff tear patient. Because it is completely retracted, the fibers are not pulling on each other anymore, they're actually less painful. And so they almost present like a painless weakness type of patient who has a a neurological condition. They'll try to lift that arm off their side and they're really just going to shrug the shoulder and can't even flex or abduct it or bring it up into scaption. Um, And, uh, you know, with big tears, they can't internally or externally rotate that arm either. 
These are usually due to some sort of traumatic incident. So I want you to make sure that if you are listening to this podcast, you go to the video that I have associated with this. I have a patient who had a recent massive rotator cuff tear, and I'll even add some other videos of other patients who've had them also, so you can see them standing. But here I evaluate this patient in the supine position. Um, these patients, you know, they come in, oftentimes they can't lift that arm off the side, maybe 10 degrees of abduction, 10 degrees of flexion, and there's tons of compensation going on there to try to get that arm up. They're thinking about doing it, but just can't do it. Um, They'll oftentimes try to use some momentum to try to sling and lift that arm up in front of them, but they just can't hold it up there. These folks definitely have a positive drop arm test, and I don't use a drop arm test with many patients, but uh, these will have a positive test. Um, You will oftentimes see these people uh, not be able to hold the elbow at 90 degrees while trying to keep that arm in front of them in a neutral position uh, and the hand will just fall right to the belly or you have them do a bicep curl and uh, the the good side will will show a nice steady um, flexion of the elbow keeping it in neutral where the affected side the hand will drop in toward the belly because they don't have enough external rotator strength to hold them in a neutral position Um, And I do actually have a video of a patient with this also. So make sure you check out the links in the show notes uh, and uh, just take a few minutes to go over to these videos. It's really nice to see the um, practical view of this with patients who really have this. Now, before we go into how we manage these folks, I just want you to think outside the box a little bit, okay, about what else can present like this. And I've seen this where people do not have a massive rotator cuff tear, but they certainly look like they have one. So number one, could they have a frozen shoulder? So if they actively have 10 degrees or 15 degrees of flexion or abduction, um, can you get them past that passively? Okay, so you grab a hold of that arm and you bring them through their passive range. If they do not have any more, or maybe just five degrees more in all positions, you have to be suspicious of frozen shoulder. The other thing is that if you try to push them passively, and it is a frozen shoulder, they're going to be very painful to do that, unlike somebody who has a massive rotator cuff tear, okay? Could there be a fracture from this injury that um, happened? So uh, I will throw in a video. It it was considered one of the mystery shoulder videos that I had in the past, but I'm going to um, kind of put this up for the public to see. And uh, this is a, a gal who had a fracture who has significant difficulty lifting that arm up. Now, you could also have somebody who has an axillary nerve palsy, right? So if somebody doesn't have deltoid strength, they're going to have considerable difficulty trying to abduct and flex that shoulder. I wish I'd have a video on this one. I did have a patient who had this, um, but it was uh, a, a difficult uh, scenario in regards to um, the, the videoing of this. So um, remember, you need to have good deltoids if you don't have a good rotator cuff, if you're going to have a reverse total shoulder. So somebody could have an axillary nerve palsy or even a suprascapular nerve palsy. Uh, you know, somebody may fall directly on the back onto the scapula. They may have a stretching mechanism, a traction mechanism to the arm, and uh, they end up damaging that suprascapular nerve where you're going to lose your supraspinatus and infraspinatus, and I have seen these also, and uh, they're very impressive when you see it, but these people will have painless weakness uh, associated with that. 
It is possible to have a C5 nerve root compression. Now, I can put a video of this up and show you folks. It's super, super old, and it is the reason this first patient I had with this was the reason why I uh, started the marquee maneuver. Uh, so if you have a massive C5, you uh, lose that ability to flex that shoulder and, uh, and uh, flex at the elbow also, and it can look just like a massive tear. So those are things you need to take into consideration when you see these patients patients who you suspect have a massive rotator cuff tear. Now, the patient that you'll see in the video uh, had an MRI, so it, it showed the tear being lost. But we are also suspecting, because of the severe uh, deltoid atrophy, that he may also have an axillary nerve palsy on top of that. So um, pretty uh, bad scenario. Once you've thought outside of the box, how are you going to proceed with these patients? Well, you know, likely surgery is in the works. Now, when they are massive like this, um, you know, it's hard to approximate, especially if they've been retracted or if the tissue uh, integrity is really bad. I always talk about it as like trying to repair wet toilet paper. You may not be able to get a good purchase and pull that back into place. So some of these folks will need, you know, some capsular repair, sometimes, uh, you know, some tissue patches in that area uh, and undergo some major reconstruction to try to regain the integrity of that rotator cuff. But if that is not feasible... And this gentleman had a massive rotator cuff tear on the opposite side a couple of years ago. I treated him for that. Um, he had a really um, difficult time recovering from surgery. He had a rotator cuff repair and really did not gain all of his motion back. Um, and may have been a, a good candidate for a reverse total shoulder replacement. Um, so the reverse total shoulder replacement is there because if you don't have a rotator cuff to help flex externally rotate abduct the shoulder um, they take the ball and socket switch it up uh, because it is mechanically easier for the deltoids to pull the socket over the ball than it is to pull the ball into the socket right um, it's a it's a pulleys and levers uh, type of thing and so it is why they do that especially if they can't get the rotator cuff to function but we need to take into consideration this guy uh, who we have uh, who may have an axillary nerve palsy. So he's going to have an EMG study done to find out if that's the case. If so, then maybe doing a reverse total shoulder replacement isn't going to help him because we definitely need to have the deltoids on board, right? So um, lots to learn from this uh, particular uh, gentleman's situation. Now, can we still offer these patients something? And the answer is yes. Okay, so we treat them like we're going to prehab them. All right, so if you're going to have a reverse total shoulder replacement or even a, uh, a massive reconstruction of the rotator cuff, you need to get deltoid activation. All right. So you may be, uh, maybe they can't do it when they're on their back. You may turn them onto their stomach and ask them to do prone uh, shoulder extension, abduction, maybe a little bit of flexion while they're in a prone position. You can do some scapular stability exercises. You hold the arm, but they may try some serratus punching, some scapular retraction. Most all of these people can still pull, right? It's the pushing part that you can't do. So you can put them on a lat pull machine or seated rows, you get their arm, you put it on the bar, and then they pull toward themselves. And that is something that is very doable and generally not painful, okay? Uh, don't forget the finger, hand, wrist, elbow exercises. They're not using that arm much. It's, it's really, you need that proximal stability 
in order to get the distal mobility. And if that shoulder is not elevating, you're really not reaching out and using that hand as much. So don't forget to get those uh, muscle groups uh, working and functional as much as possible. And don't forget... If a patient is susceptible to adhesive capsulitis, we want to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, so passive range of motion and gentle stretching, uh, self-stretching, pulley exercises at home, these are all very important to prevent that frozen shoulder from occurring. So I know um, this is not an episode about post-operative treatment, but I am going to throw out there that if they do have surgery, you need to be able to get your hands on the surgical report, see what was repaired or not repaired, communicate with the surgeon about the tissue integrity and follow a a more conservative protocol. Unless it is just a reverse total shoulder replacement, then you can move them on a little bit faster. But if they do try to attempt to repair this massively torn rotator cuff, you can't push them as quickly as you would on a normal rotator cuff protocol. So take that into consideration. And, uh, you know, we will talk about that post-op in another episode on another day. And uh, hopefully that will be coming soon. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode on treating, managing, you know, the massive rotator cuff repair. Um, and if you have any questions, please see the link in the show note. Go ahead and uh, give me an email, send me an email, and I'd be more than happy to answer that for you. Don't forget, we do online one-on-one coaching, and that has been an awesome experience for myself, and I believe the people who are uh, coaching with me, just trying to get through some of the, the difficulties of orthopedics and managing orthopedic patients and uh, just trying to get you back on your feet building some confidence in evaluating and managing those orthopedic patients so again folks be kind to each other and take care we hope you've enjoyed the show for some more awesome content go to orthoevalpal.com can't wait to see you there